So last week we were with uh, this King Joash. Of Joash, it said that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. But when Jehoiada the priest died, he uh, led his country back, the nation of Israel, back into idolatry. And he was confronted by the son of the very priest, Jehoiada, who had saved his life. He got angry at that son, forgot the fact that his father had saved his life, and gave orders that he would be stoned to death. And so um, this man, Joash, was assassinated by his servants. And in chapter 25, verse 1, or at the very end of chapter 24 and verse 27, it says, Then Amaziah his son reigned in his place. So chapter 25, verse 1 says, Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem, and it says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. And when I read that, I think of Psalm 86, 11. It says this, David says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. It says, unite my heart to fear your name. Meaning, uh, the, meaning having an undivided heart. When our heart is not united, there will certainly be problems. It's only a matter of time till we are led astray. And um, here it says, unite my heart to, to fear your name, meaning it's an undivided heart. And wow, we should be seeking the Lord to have an undivided heart. It... it, it, it um, the a, a few chapters ago when we were reading about Asa, it says that Asa uh, had all of Judah take an oath to seek the Lord. And it says in verse 15 of Second Chronicles 15, it says, All Judah rejoiced, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. It's such a beautiful picture. They sought him with all their soul. The, uh, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, he says the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the thing about it, if it's anything but all, we're going to have problems. I was reading today in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm trying to memorize Ephesians chapter 5. And it says that we are told to thank the Lord always and at all times. <laughs> that's 
a lot. Thank the Lord always and at all times, but it's the same principle. If there's even a little bit taken away from that, it's an opportunity for the devil to have his way in our life. Thank the Lord always and at all times. So if there's any time that you're not being thankful, that's an opportunity for Satan to come in and wreak havoc in your life. But in addition to always, it says, and for all things. Now that's, that's really hard to be thankful to the Lord for all things. But it says all things. Um, by the way, this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. And, um, and so if there's anything that you're not thankful for, even something that's a tragedy in your life, Satan is going to use it as an opportunity just to pry in and, uh, and wreak havoc in your life. Uh, it says again that Amaziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart, meaning he was religious. He, he did what was right. He went through the motions. He went to church. He gave money to church. He served at church. But it said, but not with a loyal heart. And so that's, that's what reli being religious means. It means doing religious things, but you don't have a heart behind it. Verse 3 says, Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established for him that he executed his servants who had murdered his father the king. Remember, his father um, had been murdered uh, by his own servants. Verse 4, however, he did not execute their children, but did as it is written in the law, in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, the fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall die for his own sin. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 24. So um, at the time, the, the, the laws of the, uh, the practices of the kingdoms of the nations, uh, the kings of the nations, they would get into power and they would just put um, anyone to death who was a threat to them, not only a person, but their family, their kids, anyone that would be a threat. Uh, uh, J Judah really was the, the J Jesus calls you guys who are in here, he calls you the light of the world, he also calls you the salt of the earth. And, and Israel was the salt of the earth because it had been given the law of God and it was just different than all the nations around them. Israel was called to be holy, to be separate, which means to be different, separate. Holy means to be separate, distinct. Uh, and in that, this is an example that they, uh, Israel was different than all the nations of the world. Uh, the fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers. So anyway, he, he just um, kills the servants, but not their, their, their family. Verse 5, moreover, 
uh, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds according to their fathers' houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin, and he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100,000, 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to over." throw. So he's hired these 100,000 people that he's going to go attack Edom, which is um, in the south, sort of southeast um, uh, of where Judah is. And he thinks he needs 100,000 people. He's not good enough with just 300,000. Uh, he's not good with what God has given him. He's going uh, he's, he's to go get more. He's going to get 100,000. But, but by this time, remember, um, uh, Israel split in two. In the south, there's Benjamin and Judah. In the north, there's ten other tribes. And the ten tribes in the north, those uh, that's called Israel in the Bible. The Judah's called Judah. But Israel, by this time, they're, they're apostate nation. They're a wicked people. They're, they're not good. The kings of the south should never be aligning themselves with them. Remember, Jehoshaphat did that. He got in trouble. His son did it. He got in trouble. And here again, Amaziah is calling them and he's hiring them. He has a prophet come to him and say, no, don't do that. If you do this, you will fail. Now, Amaziah's response is this. In verse 9, he said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? In other words, I've already spent all this money. I've already made an investment. I've, we've already started this. We're, 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 we're 20% of the way. To, to stop now is going to cause uh, wreak all kinds of havoc. And... Um, it's, uh, and it says that the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than that. So Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home. Therefore their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in anger. And so I tell you, this is a story that I think about often, and often when I'm giving advice to people in counsel, I think of this story. So here's how it goes, and we all do this, right? We have a problem. We don't pray about it. We go into a, we start getting into a solution. We invest ourselves. We even spend money or time or energy. Maybe we get on the phone and we're gathering people or whatever. And then all of a sudden, the Lord's like, Knock, 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 Steve. Uh, excuse me, did you, Steve, did you ever ask me about this? Uh, well, no, but it's a, I thought it would be a great... Uh, well, good, good idea does not mean it's God's idea. You've got to stop. But what, what about the fact we've already, I've already spent 
$5,000 on this, or I've already called this person that person, and I've already done this or that, or I gave my word or whatever. And the Lord says, sorry, what you're doing is not of me. You have to, to go back, and this happens frequently when I'm in counseling someone, but it's also happened with me. Okay, yeah, you spent a whole bunch of money, but so what? You know, you put, we were talking about Teslas on, on Sunday morning. Uh, let's not go to a Tesla, let's go to a Lamborghini. I've already put $20,000 towards my Lamborghini. Now the Lord is telling me, he's telling me, sorry, uh, you, can't have, you, you can't do that. Well, I already put $20,000, i am going to lose $20,000. Sorry, it's not of me. This will happen to you. I'm sure to some of you it has happened. You just got to take your losses. Why? Because the Lord says, the Lord says, the Lord is able to give you much more than this, verse 9. He's able to, yeah, you've already spent this money or you've already made this investment or these people are going to get really angry at you for backing off of um, this plan you said you'd help out with. God, God's able to cover you on this. You just got to, you did this to yourself. You didn't pray. You didn't, you didn't, of course, you didn't see him praying here. He's not really a praying kind of guy. We'll get to that more later. But um, you, you got to get egg on your face. You got to repent. You got to, uh, and, and, and you got to do the right thing. Amazingly, this guy who's really not much more than a religious guy, he's a little younger now. Unfortunately, um, over time, if you're not seeking the Lord, your heart hardens over time. But now he's younger. His heart, heart hadn't hardened as, as much, perhaps, although pretty soon he's going to go south. He actually does what the guy says and sends them all back. It says they're very angry. The 100,000 mercenaries, they had been hired from the northern part of Israel. Why are they angry? They got all their money. Well, really, they didn't get all their money. They got, they got uh, what was it, 100? They got, a, uh, they got a f- 100 talents, um, what was it, of silver? They, they got 100 talents of silver. That's, that's probably not a whole lot of money. They were, what they were really counting on was the loot that they would get in battle. They'd go into battle, they'd defeat a city, and... And, and that's where the real dough was. That's where the real money was. Um, it's kind of like with all these dot-coms today. You can get your salary, but they also throw equity at people. They also throw shares at them. And that's really where uh, someday you may make a lot of money. And so, um, but he discharges the troops that had come uh, to him from Ephraim to go back ha- home. Their anger was aroused. aroused. Verse 11. It, um, uh, by the way, just if you're taking notes, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. He has so many, so many resources. So those things that, you know, if we have to back off our idea that's not God's idea and we have to lose money over it or whatever, the earth, he has more resources than we can even imagine or even know about. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. And so, um, 
Verse 11 says, Then Amaziah strengthened himself, and leading his people, he went to the valley of salt and killed 10,000 of the people of Seir. The people of Seir, uh, these are the descendants of Esau. Uh, they were lifelong enemies ever since that thing with um, Jacob and Esau. Remember, they were battling inside of their, the womb of their mother, Rebekah. And they battled ever since then. Esau being a man of the flesh. Jacob was a man of the flesh at the beginning, but um, through a, a life of wrestling with the Lord, he uh, became a man of the Spirit. And they were lifelong enemies, generational enemies for, um, for uh, generations, for really hundreds of years. There's no such thing as an um, Edomite anymore. Herod was an Edomite. Uh, who had converted to Judaism, um, but there's no such thing as the Edomites anymore. Um, but he, it says he defeated them. He killed 10,000 of them. And then verse 12 is a creepy verse. It, it says, also the children of Judah took captive 10,000 alive, brought them to the top of the rock, and cast them down from the top of the rock so that all were dashed in pieces. And you're like, what is this? Well, uh, it, it, what I think this is, because you don't see this anywhere else, and it's under a king who is not a particularly good king. Uh, this was not. This was not something that the Lord ever told them to do. It's sort of gratuitous violence, and it's it's overkill. It's overkill. They took. It's the only time you see something like this where they take, take a massive amount of prisoners and they just um, they, they put them all to death. Now, it's possible that I'm, I'm wrong there, but I think that the fact that you don't really see that something like this anywhere else uh, is, is, is probably evidence that it's being pointed out that this is not how you treat prisoners. Now, when people are in combat, your enemy is in combat against you. Um, that's one thing, but that wasn't the case here. But I don't know for sure. It's not something that um, we should get into <laughs> a, a, a pitched battle, an argument over. Verse 13, it says that, but as the soldiers of the armies which Amaziah had discharged, now this is going back to those thousand soldiers who they had um, hired, but I mean, 100,000 soldiers that they had hired that, that had been sent back to Israel. But as the soldiers of the army which Amaziah had discharged, remember the prophet told them to discharge it, and he obeyed the prophet, so that they would not go with him to battle, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Oren, killed 3,000 in them, and took much spoil. So, um, on the way back, after being discharged, remember they were angry, they caused all these problems. And so, again, these were wicked people. The, the, the prophet was right. You don't want... Second Corinthians, in Second Corinthians, it, 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 it speaks in, I think it's in chapter 6, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What does... Christ have in common with Satan. And here, here it was. They really were wicked, just like the prophet said. They, they raided the cities of Judah on the way back to their home. Verse 14 says, Now it was so, after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the people of Seir 
set them up to be his gods and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. And so here he begins to, uh, he begins a, a long backslide that is going to end in a backslide. It's not going to end in repentance. And probably because of his pride, he uh, he, he, he wins this great battle. He also does this thing which appears to be outrageous, pushes 10,000 men off a cliff and dashes them to pieces. He sees the gods of the Edomites. Now, these are the people who he had just defeated. And so why he does this, I don't know, but he takes these gods he sets them up, he bows down to them and burns incense to them. Verse 15, therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah and he sent him a prophet who said to him, why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? I mean, how crazy is that? So many... It, 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 he's blinded. And this is what sin does. Sin is so deceitful. I mean, if you take a look around and you see what alcohol does to people, you see what drugs do to people, you see what blind ambition for money and a career does to people, it's obvious they, they're a defeated people. They just... Uh, it, it, those things do nothing but destroy people. So it's amazing how Christians sometimes take off and they go after the very things that are the very gods that are destroying the people who follow those gods. They'll follow them anyway. And that's what happens here. And the prophet goes, what are, are, what are you doing? How c These people, you... You, this, these gods couldn't even rescue their own people. Why are you bowing down with them? Verse 16, so it was as he talked with him, the king said to him, have we made you the king's counselor? This is not someone who is, quoting the proverb, faithful of the wounds of a friend. He, he's... he's um, he's not receiving correction. Ben Sabufu and I are be reading a, a devotional together. It's by Bogatsky. I quote him all the time. It's, this is, the, I think, my eighth time I've read him. But he has this great, <laughs> he has this well, fantastic devotional that says, anytime you get rebuked for anything, be thankful because even if you didn't do it, you, you have the capacity to do it. So you should be thanking the person. It doesn't mean you don't clear up facts and things like that, but... Uh, any time you are confronted, you really do need to just take a step back and say, okay, Lord, what is all this about? But this guy's a religious person. He's not a spiritual person. And he says, who made you the king's counselor? Like, who are you to be just coming up here and, and, and saying this uh, to me? And then he says, stop, cease, why should you be killed? In other words, I'm going to kill you if you keep on talking. But the prophet 
it says he ceased, but not before saying, I know that God is determined to destroy you because you have done this and you have not heeded my advice. It doesn't say whether he killed him or not. Uh, I suppose we should be silent on that. Uh, but um, this, this prophet was a man of courage, and I'm always praying for Calvary Chapel in the city that men and women of courage would be raised up. It's so, so important. And, and I just love, too, it's, just, it's him against everyone. And, and this really, this really how it is. We're all called to be a light even when there's no light around us, even when we're all alone. Now, we're always called to, to seek out godly friends, and, 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 but, but sometimes when we wind up, when we're not around them, we still have to be courageous. Oftentimes in the workplace, almost every single person who's <laughs> worked for a corporation, they have the same experience, and so often the people come to me and, and, and you know, uh, they're like, I am the only Christian at my work. As if... That was unusual. <laughs> and I usually have to say, yeah, that's usually how it is. Um, now, if you, have, uh, if you have some believers who are really seeking God, over the years there, there, there were a couple in the jobs that I had, but uh, many times it was not the case. Uh, but um, be thankful if there are, but don't feel sorry for yourself if there's no one around and don't think that God's going to say, oh, yeah, it's okay if you backslide. You know, there's no Christians. No. So he's all, he, this guy apparently is all by himself. And the king says, who made you my counselor? You want to be killed? Uh, if you don't uh, stop, I'm going to kill you. And he, he doesn't stop. He goes on and says, uh, and says, you're going to be destroyed because you're not uh, taking my advice. Verse 17 says, Now Amaziah, king of Judah, asked advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, the king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. So the, remember the 100,000 guys he sends home? This is their king. And... He has defeated the Ammonites, Edomites in the south, and he's like, wow, I'm like God's gift to warriors. I'm now, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to do battle with the people in the north. So he goes to, um, he, he sends them a note and says, come on, let's do battle. Verse 18, now even though this guy's a wicked king, God's going to speak through him. This happens sometimes. God does speak through wicked people from time to time. Uh, and gives the truth. He did that with Balaam, remember, in the book of Numbers. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, and that he's like a poet. He's a poet king. The, thith, the thistle, not the thistle, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as wife, and a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. Indeed, you say that you have defeated the Edomites, and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay at home now. 
Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall, you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not heed, for it came from God that he might give them into the hands of their enemies because they sought the gods of Edom. And so he gets poetic here. A thistle is like, I was in the woods today praying. There's brush in the, the woods, and there's just it's at the bottom of the mighty trees. And so the king is saying, there's this little brush in the woods, and it's saying, hey, uh, can our kids marry each other, Mr. Gigantic Oak Tree? There weren't any cedars in the woods I was in, but there were some big oaks. As if to say, we're equals. That's what he's saying here. But then it says a wild beast came and trampled that thistle, meaning we're going to beat you and we're going to beat you really bad. This was a prophetic word that was given through this wicked king. God does that. Anyone rem remember another example of that in the Old Testament? You want to shout it out? Any of you Bible scholars? Anyone? We're going to see one of the most righteous people in the whole world Bible, his name was Josiah, went out into battle, and then the Egyptian king came against him, Pharaoh Necho, and said, no, you shouldn't be coming against me. And Josiah didn't, didn't obey him, and, or didn't heed him, and wound up getting killed. And that was Josiah. He's literally one of the most righteous people in the entire Bible. God used a, a, a king uh, to, to speak with him. Now, there's there's different interpretations of that. I personally think God loved Josiah so much he just wanted to take him. Others say that um, it was like a rebellious act on his part. But, um, but we'll get to that later. That's, that's at a, in a future chapter. Um, it says that, it says that, verse 20, Amaziah would not heed for it came from God. So note here it says, your heart is lifted up to boast because you defeated the um, Edomites. We're going to see this same problem in the next chapter with Uzziah, his, his son. He just, he's lifted up in pride. The problem with pride is that pride blinds us. We don't see our own pride. We don't see our own sin oftentimes. And uh, the Lord is always faithful to warn us when we've been, when we start walking in pride, when we've had a victory in our lives. Maybe it's a spiritual victory. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a little confusing when you start off in ministry, you're pleading with God to, to have fruit in your life, and he doesn't give it. You realize later that if he did, you would have been lifted up in pride and destroyed. It's the same thing in business. It's, just, it's the same thing in, uh, in, in, in sports and any, or, or anything. It's, it's really, really difficult to deal with success. You know, from time to time, I hear Christians, and I get this sentiment, they'll, 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 they'll be, some 22-year-old girl is like a complete, total 
rock star, pop star, and she's doing stupid things and saying stupid things and being very sexual. And, and I'll hear Christians going, can you believe blah, blah, blah doing this? But guess what? If you had $20 million is dumped upon you and you have fans who are fawning all over you, you're saying you do something different? I mean, maybe you should be praying with, for her, but speaking about her with despising words is really foolishness. I mean, I've done the same thing myself, but um, even the most wicked people in Hollywood, but for the grace of God, go we. Uh, you know, this is, and you add looks to it, by the way. So if on top of that she's beautiful, are you really telling me you would do something different? And, 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 and so uh, here's an example. He, 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 he's lifted up in pride because he's had uh, a, a great victory here. Mm. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says this, Therefore I, the prison of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called and he gives three things, with all lowliness, gentleness, and long-suffering. And the reason that's so significant, it's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Now, why do I say that? Because everything before that was explaining to the Ephesians who they are in Christ and who they were before Christ, and everything Christ has done for them, and everything God has done for them. There's, not, there's barely a word in the first three chapters of Ephesians about what they're supposed to do. The first three chapters are about the who. The last three chapters are about... Someone say it. The do. Remember Romans? I said it probably a hundred times. First 11 chapters are about the who. And the last five chapters are about the do. So the so first three chapters of Ephesians are all about the who, meaning who God is, who you were before Christ. You were a dead sinners, which you were, and the very first time that they're told to do something, it's really important. What's the first thing God's going to tell us to do? Now that we, we've been told all who God is and, uh, and, and who we were and who we are now in Christ Jesus, what's He going to tell us to do? Be lowly and gentle with long-suffering. We are to be a humble people. Because God has done so much for us. By the way, same thing in the book of Romans. Anyone want to shout out Romans? The first 11 chapters are all about who God is, who we were, who we've become in Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse, verse 8. God loved us in that while we were yet enemies, He died for us. All, all 11 chapters, over and over ever, who God is, who we are in Christ. Who God is, who we are in Christ. You're never told what to do. 
in the first 11 chapters of Romans, or barely. The first time you're really told anything to do was chapter 12. It says, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because God's been so merciful to you, offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then just a few verses after that, it says the same thing as Ephesians 4.1. It says in verse 3, it says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You think you're a hot shot, you're not. You are what you are just because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. So I find that fascinating. Both in Ephesians and in Romans, the first time they're told to do anything, it's to be lowly, to be gentle, to be humble. Because you were a serious sinner. You were so filled with pride. God died for you anyway. You're born again. He's blessed you. You're now seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. So now it's time to be lowly and gentle. So important. Now, I find that it, it barely takes 24 hours when I start, like pride starts seeping in, that I get whacked in the head. God is faithful to whack you in the head when you start walking in pride. And why does he do that? One, he loves you because when you're in pride, you're not, you're not in relation with him. You're not praying to him. You're not loving him. You're not appreciating him. And he, he created you to be in a relationship with him. So that's one reason he whacks you. The other is, be, is that you, he, you're not going to be fruitful. You're, 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 you're not going to be fruitful. You're not going to be safe to bless. And he wants to be, he wants to glorify his name through your life. So he's going to whack you in the head. God's faithful to whack me in the head. And it usually is, takes about 24 hours to do so. But here he's whacked. He's whacked in the head, not only by this prophet, but by the enemy of Israel. They both tell him, look, what are you doing? You're lifted up in pride. Stop. And we're in 2 Chronicles 25. But he doesn't. It says in verse 20, uh, 20 again, But Amaziah would not heed, for it came from God, that he might give them into the hand of their enemies. So Joash, king of Israel, went out, verse 21, and he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemeth, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. Then Joash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoaz, at Beth Shemesh. And he brought him to Jerusalem, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits, and he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were in the house of God with Obed-Edom, the treasures of the king's house and hostages, and returned to Samaria. So he took the, not only the king, but his family back to Israel, back to Samaria. And you talk about humiliation, pride, the... The proverb says, pride comes before destruction. Run to the humble place, Calvary Chapel. It's the 
safest place to be is the humble place. It's also the greatest place of worship. It's hard, it's hard though, sometimes being in the humble place. It really is. But um, it's, it's so much better than this. His whole family gets dragged back to Samaria. Verse 25, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah from first to last, indeed, are they not written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel? After the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. So at some point, he came back from the north. They let him go. Maybe when this, the, the king in the north died, because he outlived the guy by 15 years. And um, I think, yeah. Uh, and uh, so he came back at some point, but he never turned back to the Lord, and he sort of died in a big backslide. And this is very sad, right? You, you, you see, in, as far as the kings of the south, probably the most wicked king is Manasseh. We're going to see him in a few chapters unbelievable, unbelievably wicked man. It says he, he filled Jerusalem from one end to the other with innocent blood. I mean, one wicked dude. And then at some point, the king of Assyria, I think it was, takes him hostage and brings him back to um, Assyria, and he repents there. He actually repents and spends the last two years of his life repenting. And when you read it, you're like, why did you let this guy repent, Lord? This guy is so wicked. But that's because man's ways are so far below God's ways, more than, more than the heavens are above the earth. But here, this guy, Amaziah, he's totally humiliated. He bring, it brings him and his family to back to, um, to, to, northern, um, to the northern kingdom, and he doesn't repent. <laughs> and it is truly amazing you know, you're in ministry over the years and just seeing people who were once following the Lord and then they get into the lowest place and they still don't repent. And you're like, what in the world? How could this possibly be true? Why are they not repenting? How can they not see? But this guy didn't see, even though he was very um, humiliated. You know, it, eventually in the south, the, the southern kingdom is going to be dragged off to, um, taken off to Babylon. And one of the things that it says uh, th th says there when they're taken off to Babylon, it just reminds them and the reader, God sent prophets to them who rose early every day to go confront them, but they did not listen. And it is, it is amazing to me how this one guy, Amaziah, prophet was sent to him two times God's faithful to warn his people. He's faithful to warn his people. It, it doesn't, people don't just get, wake up one day and, 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 and are destroyed because of their sin. No, God warns us along the way. Chapter 26, now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. 
He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. By the way, for those of you who like going really deep, verse 2 where it says Uzziah built Elah, that's right way down there um, where the Red Sea was, and it was a port that it was a port that eventually um, makes its way into like the Sea of Arabia or wherever. And so it was a great seaport, a great seaport. And this is really going to be big in Uzziah's life because God is going to prosper him enormously with trade and that kind of thing. It says, verse 4, He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understandings and the visions of God. Understanding in the visions of God. And, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now this guy Uzziah is known as a very, very good king. And you may think here when you see that uh, when you read here, he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. There's a couple different ways to interpret that, interpret that verse. I think the accurate way is he really sought God when there was this prophet around. And you may think, well, what's the difference between this guy and Joash? A couple chapters earlier, and uh, it says of Joash in chapter 24 that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. But remember, after Jehoiada the priest died, he backslid, he backslid big time and actually wound up killing a prophet. And the distinction that I see between Uzziah, who is known as a good king, and Joash, who's known as a, a bad king, there's, there's a couple different things. Um, one is when Uzziah backslides at the very end of his life, he repents. Um, but um, also, just we've been studying so much, we've been focusing on Tuesdays so much on the, that one four-letter word. Remember, Four-letter words are known as bad words, but there's always an anti-type, which is a good word. What is the good four-letter word that we've been studying so much in the last two or three months, six months? Seek. S-E-E-K. Seek. Notice how it says he sought, or which is a, a verb, part of the verb to seek. He sought God in the days of Zechariah. 
Joash, it just says, he did what was right. So Joash, who eventually permanently backslid, he was just religious. He did what was right, but it wasn't with his heart. Same thing with Joash's son, Amaziah. It says that he did what was right, but not with a loyal heart. Uzziah was a guy, he went after God, particularly when there was this priest, particularly when it, um, there was, I don't know if he was a priest, this guy named Zechariah, who, which is different, by the way, than the prophet, Ze- the book of Zechariah, but he, he, he sought God. He, and remember, seeking is when you open up your heart to God and just say, tell me, God. As opposed to Joash, who just did what was right. In other words, just show me what the rules are. I'm going to follow the rules. But there's not a desire to, to follow the rules. You're just doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. Uzziah was, he was a really good king. He sought the Lord. Um, he sought them, uh, especially in the days of Zechariah. And then it says in verse 5, And as long as he sought the Lord, meaning it's more than just doing what is right. She's actually seeking him. Like, God, I, I want to know you. I want your presence. I want your, your joy. In noon prayer, we really seek the Lord. If you haven't joined noon prayer ever, join every once in a while, particularly the first half hour. We just seek the Lord. Just, Lord, show us our hearts. Show us Lord, we're, we're, we, we want to hear you. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And prosper he did. Verse 6, now he went out and made war with, against the Philistines, and he broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod among the Philistines. I mean, that's pretty extraordinary. I mean, to this day... This area is a big problem for Israel. It's the Gaza Strip. And the Philistines were just ever a nemesis. And rarely did, were the kings of Israel able to subdue them. They were subdued under David and Solomon. Um, verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal, and against the Maonites. Verse 8, and also against the Amazites. And rather, also the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. Remember, the Ammonites are another lifelong, they're the descendants of lot, lifelong enemies of Israel. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the uh, corner buttress of the wall. Then he fortified them. Also, he built towers in the desert. He dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and the plains. He also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that in and of itself says something good about the guy. He just, he loved the earth. He loved the soil. 
Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies according to the number of the roll as, as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Maesah, the officer under the land of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The total number of chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600, and under their authority was an army of 307,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Then Uzziah prepared for them for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows and slings to cast stones. He made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers of the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. I love that. He was marvelously helped by the Lord. This guy Uzziah. This is like a guy thing, right? Guys like to go into hardware stores. They like to go into bait shops and fishing places, even if they don't fish. Even if guys like me, I know nothing about construction. I just like going around Home Depot. I mean, I feel like a real man. You know, I, and, and, you know, you read this and it's like, wow, he made helmets and spears and body armor. <laughs> this guy, he made like these special weapons that threw large stones, you know, those comic, those, uh, what do you call it, cartoon things where, you know, you s see catapults and things like this. Um, that's what he did. And this guy reigned for 52 years. 52 years he reigned, Uzziah. Is it any wonder that it was traumatic to the people of Israel when he died? It says in Isaiah chapter 6, famous verse. There's a song that we, my family sings all the time with these verses these words in it in the year that king uzziah died this is isaiah speaking i saw the lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and so what that tells you is that it was extremely traumatic to the people of israel when uzziah died But Isaiah is saying here, when he died, the Lord was reminding him that who's on the throne. Sometimes when you're discouraged or you have really hard things going on in your life, a Christian will tell you God is still on the throne. That's kind of an Isaiah 6.1 in the year King Uzziah died statement. He's on the throne. He's on the throne no matter how tumultuous life may seem. So here, it's like, wow, you, you, you love this guy, you know, Uzziah. You're like, oh, he's just such a cool, wonderful man. So why do the next few verses have to happen? No, Lord. I wanted this guy to end well. No, I don't like reading these verses. It says he was marvelously helped until he became strong. Verse 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. 
For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So it was very, 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 very clear from the Old Testament law that only certain people were high priests. It was the Levites who were the sons of Levi. And even under them, it was only the Kohathites, a certain, uh, only certain people under the Levites could go in and burn incense and be a high priest. But Uzziah, it says his heart lifted up because he became strong. He was, other nations were giving him tribute. He became, he became filled with pride. And so he goes in and he's trying to uh, be, he, he says, oh, you know, who says only the priest can burn incense? I want to burn incense. So he goes in, in and burns incense. Verse 17, so Azariah the priest went in after him and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper unto the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. And so, I tell you, you know, uh, pride, <laughs> it is our downfall. And again, when, we, when you have someone come and warn you, somehow you got to step back and take it seriously. So often, times when I confront someone who has pride, they react the same way. They act in anger. And I'm ashamed to admit that there have been times in my life where I was confronted and I acted in anger because of my pride. He had an opportunity here where I think that there's, he, he, I think he could have been spared the leprosy when they came in and said, what are you doing? This guy Azariah and 80 guys came against, um, came against King Uzziah. And, you know, this says, by the way, this says a lot, this says a lot, good about Uzziah, that he had a bunch of people who were willing to confront him. Because in the past, when wicked kings did wicked stuff, including like uh, things, to the t things to the temple, 
we're going to meet another guy, Ahaz, who's going to board up the temple. No one confronted him. This just is evidence that Uzziah was a very good king because there, there existed people who were willing to confront him. Um, if he had stopped there and said, you're right, I shouldn't be in there, I think he would have been spared of the leprosy. But it says he became furious. He wasn't used to people coming against him and telling him no. He was so powerful. It says that you know, he was all the way down to the river of Egypt. I mean, he, he was a powerful, powerful king. He was one of the few kings to subdue the, the, um, the Philistines. And again, courage, such an admirable trait. But to be confronting a guy with this power really took a lot of guts. I mean a lot of guts. When someone is on a roll and they've become powerful and they're adored by the people, you're risking your life by coming in and confronting them. But, but that is what they did. So he went in, he, he went in and tried to burn incense. And, you know, that's kind of like if I was, got so much pride uh, that I'm like, I don't care, you know, Manuel thinks he can play the guitar put him aside. Dan thinks he can play the keyboard. Put him aside. I'm just going to get up there and do all the worship myself on Sundays. I mean, and by the way, some churches, the pastor does the worship, and I've done the worship at the church before. When there's a need for it, I will do it. But it's not, it's not my business. It wasn't his business to be doing it. He was also forbidden but then there's another thing going on here, and that really is there was one person who was going to combine the office of king and priest, and who was that person going to be? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And it's like this, here he is in this very creepy, weird way, going into the temple and trying to be a priest, and it's, wait, that's, that's for Messiah. That's not for you. And when you try to act like the Messiah, you're in deep doo-doo with God. I mean, you're in big trouble. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 27, Pilate says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, it is as you say. And, and, and it says over, over him on the cross, they put the written accusation against him. This is Jesus, king of the Jews. He was a king. He's also called king of kings, lord of lords. But in Hebrews, throughout the book of Hebrews, all over the book of Hebrews, he's called our high priest who is ever interceding for us. And here Uzziah, I mean, you talk about doing a foolish thing. This is a seriously foolish thing. But... He does repent. He realizes he's been judged by God. He runs out. He goes out and lives in an isolated place. His son comes in and reigns for him. And um, his son comes in and reigns for him, Jotham. It says in verse um, 22, the rest of the Acts of Uzziah, from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote, verse 23, So Uzziah rested with his fathers. They buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said he is a leper. Then Jotham, Jotham his son, reigned in his place. And 
So Jotham was like a co-regent for the last years uh, of his life. And Uzziah doesn't seem to have resisted it. Uzziah seems to have uh, returned to the Lord's. But notice, uh, notice what happened. It says that um, he, verse 21 says, he was cut off from the house of the Lord. He was a person who loved God, but his pride got him into so much trouble because lepers were not allowed in the house of God. He wasn't allowed to be there. And that's what, that's what pride will do sometimes. 